Welcome to Call Your Girlfriend, a podcast for long distance besties everywhere. I'm Ann Friedman. And I'm Amina Tuso. This week, we're going to talk about uh, Amina's big move. You are moving across the country tomorrow. Uh, we're going to we're gonna talk about 42-year-old women and, and praise of 42-year-old women. I'm doing air quotes. You can't see me. You know, conflicted feelings about potato salad and Kickstarter. I mean, actually, my feelings about potato salad are not conflicted. But, um, and about this New York Times story about America allowing people to pay for space in women's wombs, which is mind-blowing. And we got a question via email about how to break up with a bestie or former bestie. Um, oh, and LeBron. You want to chat about LeBron, too? Yes. I kind of really want to tackle this breakup question first. How do you feel about that? Do it. Let's do it. Do you want to read the email? Um, yes, I'm currently searching for it because we're very organized at Call Your Girlfriend. Oh, I have it if you want me to read it. Uh, that's perfect because I literally just searched for that email in my inbox and I searched Nate Silver. I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, you are under a lot of stress lately. Nate Silver should not be a search results for anything in my life. Oof, please no. tell us, please tell us what happened. That she has a friend, but to quote from her email, I just don't think that this friendship provides much value to either of us anymore. And she hurt my feelings a bit, but I'm not sure if it's kinder to say that because I'm pretty sure I don't want to hang out with her anymore anyway. This whole thing is just fascinating to me because I think that friend breakups are just as painful as real breakups. Oh my God, or worse. And so much more complicated on a million more levels, right? When you break up with someone that you're dating, you can kind of leave a lot of that life behind. And then when you break up with a friend, like there are like different politics that come with that. I don't know. You know, I think that the underlying question that we have here too is, Basically, like, how do you break up with a friend? Right. Like, do you do, you give do the them, slow fade? <laughs> do you give them the slow fade out? Or do you have a very dramatic, this is not working for either of us, but mostly it's not working for me. I've only had, like, one significant friend breakup. And it was a very, very, very close friendship. And I think that we both handled it like babies because we were both traumatized and it kind of took three years to have the conversation, the we are no longer friends conversation. Sometimes you're like your friends hurt you and you just want to be a baby about it. I endorse being a baby sometimes <laughs> and having your feelings hurt. Right. But I think that depending on how close somebody is to you, at some point you you kind of have to communicate to them that you've like emotionally released them. No, I mean, I, I I agree with you, but I also think that this is like reveals a fundamental divide in how people wish to be broken up across the board. There is no universal preference for the slow fade versus just tell me straight when it comes to dating. I honestly do think there are some people who you're right. It doesn't really work if it's like, you know, someone who you were really, really close to. But some people who do prefer like the slow fade. Like, some people are just like, I would feel better if I didn't know that you actively don't want me in your life. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of a master of the slow fade, but slow fade is mostly reserved to 
Always playing know. a long game. Yeah, you got <laughs> it's, it's so true. I don't think that we will break up just because we're too big to fail at this point. Also, we have matching tattoos. We can never we have, break yeah, up. Yeah, we have matching tattoos. <laughs> we're business married. It will yeah. be very messy if anything happens. Oh, my God. Maybe we need a prenup. But, you we know. We want prenup. <laughs> I think that, like, if it, you know, if you were upset with me at that point, I would like to know about it. So, sure. I haven't had that many situations where someone has been a really close friend for a long time and then, like, all of a sudden it just isn't working. Like, it's, it's almost something that happens, like, you know, I've had that happen with people I get close to and have been close to for a few months or for like a year. And then it's like, oh, wait, this doesn't have legs. <laughs> no, totally. And those are always a very, like, dodged a bullet kind of situation for me. Mm. So we don't really have advice for this poor woman. I feel like we need to know more about the friendship and all of this stuff. Wait, no, I think we kind of have advice. You clearly decided that you don't want to be friends with this person. That's fine. I am a firm believer in choosing something and being okay with it. So don't torture yourself over it. But give yourself enough space and time that you can change your mind because you never know how this person will come back into your orbit and how you'll want to handle that. Oh, that's a good point. Like, there's no... I, I actually think that this is also true of exes, even though it's easier to sort of, like, separate your life from them than a friend. But, like, you have no idea how people are going to come back into your life. Yeah, you just... You never know. Like, they will send you emails. You'll see them in, like, weird situations. And you just need to be mature enough that you know how to handle that. And it's just going to involve not having a tantrum. But also, the one thing that this listener said is that their friend is not on Twitter, so she can talk about this here. And I was like, I don't know how you're friends with people who are not on the internet. So <laughs> clearly, clearly, your boo has not been keeping tabs <laughs> and is about to get caught unawares, which is not surprising. I mean, they clearly have like an IRL only relationship, like a very cute <laughs> retro friendship. I am um, sorry. I I check up on all of my friends online. That's how I know the temperature. Oh my god! I know. <laughs> when I used to have a Twitter account only for when I was drunk or stoned, like you would be on it. Like you would you would text me immediately. Like, mm, see what you've been up to. That's so ridiculous. Okay, miss you defunct Twitter account. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about your big move. Oh my god, it's happening. It's happening tomorrow, and you know the best part? There is a ginormous pile of clothes on my bed and on my floor, so maybe it's in fact not happening tomorrow. Also, is that why your acoustics are so good? You're just padded on in there. We'll, we'll find out if my acoustics are good or not. Also, you know how I'm a heavy breather, so we'll figure, we'll figure this out. Uh, yeah, you know, like, move is a little stressful. I also... My superpower is missing flights and not giving a fuck about them. I'm and aware. I have to get on this flight tomorrow at noon. And that's also stressing me out. I mean, noon, you can do that. You can do noon. And do you know me? Like I do know cutting, you. Noon is cutting it close. I have breakfast I... plans and then I have to be at the airport. <laughs> Something's got to give. I thought confidence would really be what you needed in that moment. But you're right. I'm worried. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm like I've been worried since I bought this plane ticket about making this flight. Okay, so what are you what are you excited about in terms of being a resident of the best coast? Silence. I am no, excited about no. Here's the thing. 
I'm excited about my new job. Um, I'm excited about connecting with, you know, like West Coast friends that I haven't seen in a while and getting close to them and, you know, all of that good stuff. But really, I, I'm i very much a wait and see kind of person. You know, I don't get excited about anything until it's like actually happening. So the answer is nothing. <laughs> the answer is TV. Esquire. It's like, oh, 42-year-old women are like really doing those Pilates and we still want to fuck them. Great. Like that's essentially an essay that Esquire published in praise of, but really this sort of like acknowledgement that we police which women are sexy. Go to a party. There is simply no one as unclothed as a 42-year-old woman in a summer dress. For all her toughness and humor and smarts, you know exactly what she looks like without the advantage of knowing who she is. Mrs. Robinson, you're trying to seduce me. <laughs> Aren't you? Benjamin Braddock asked Mrs. Robinson a long time ago. The question, back then, was all that mattered. Now we wait for the answer. It's it's almost like, like Esquire was like, we are going to give Anne something to opine on this week. There was a really funny Twitter conversation about this among editors who were like, where were the editors in the way that you always say, where are the parents? Where are the editors? They're supposed to prevent writers from making fools of themselves by writing things like this. And I, I was just kind of like, well, this probably, I could just as easily see this as having come from an editor. Like, yeah, 40-year-old women are really having a moment. It's a, <laughs> we've decided to acknowledge they exist. Slate published a kind of lovely little retort in praise of 56-year-old men, which is how old the writer Tom Junode is. Um... I have always thought 40-year-old women were sexy. I thought Mrs. Robinson right? was sexy. It's like, I, like, get on my level, Tom Janode. Yeah. Also, it takes him, like, being 56 to realize that. Ugh. I love how he's like, I now deign to fuck women who are 14 years younger than I am instead of 20 years younger. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. I'm like, and in the process, you sound like an idiot, which is my favorite thing about the internet, exposes all idiots over time. It's so perfect. It's also this like particular men's magazine tone that is like, oh, we just love women athletes or we just love women comedians. But it all is sort of like uh, has this air of like, oh, we're granting we're granting approval. Like, aren't you re- aren't you don't you just love it when we tell you how much we love you? <laughs> right. And then the level of mansplaining that was happening around it was hilarious. Uh, my favorite mansplainer, John Chait, obviously had to jump on board. Top level quality mansplainer. Good. Oh, my. You know, I'm just like, what is I? Yeah. The, the man like baffles me. But that's the thing that I don't understand. I'm like, you say you say something and then literally like a hundred women push back on you. And his answer is, but you you don't understand. And I was like, well, I'm glad that this is news to you. It was also really funny how the article tried to construct like an objective argument for why they're writing it now. Like at one point they were like, 
we're living longer. And so 42 is actually younger. <laughs> 42 is the new <laughs> 24. Is like, yeah, which is sort of like, I love it. Like, it's still holding up this idea that, like, if you're a woman, younger is always better. Um, there's a there's a great essay that um, that Molly Crabapple wrote about turning 30. Did you ever read this? I think so. You know, it wasn't anything super earth shattering. It was just sort of like, you know, I was afraid of turning 30 for no reason whatsoever because I thought I would be losing some sort of youthful sexual power. That was also something that worked negatively against me when people thought I was, you know, just some stupid girl. Um, and turning 30 was also was actually really liberating, which like obviously, duh, we all you know, I mean, I know you're still on the wrong side of 30, but you, you're one of us. Oh my God. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'm going to be there you're so, so soon. Give me like a year. <laughs> but, but it's funny because it's like, I, I don't really have any of like, I remember my, my mom's 40th birthday when I was a kid and she had all of these like, like gifts that were like, you know, I remember this, this black sort of like button that someone gave her that said middle age is like underwear. It creeps up on you. And it's like, (laughs) it's like, it's like, I just, I remember seeing it and thinking it was super weird because it's like not, I, I don't know. Like I just think of my parents as like ageless when I was little, I wasn't like, Oh, you're middle age or you're a young mom or you're whatever. It's just like, you know, I don't know that that paradigm for like, there's an expiration date. Um, and, and Esquire has somehow like deigned to readjust the expiration date for women is is so obnoxious. <laughs> Cannot even handle. I heard that you have a lot of feelings about the potato salad Kickstarter. This is so, this is funny to me. You know, I mean, I think that crowdfunding is bullshit. So I think potato salad guy is the hero of our like times. Wait, wait, you have to explain just in case anyone is unaware what the potato salad. If you're unaware of the potato salad Kickstarter, I literally cannot help you. Um, (laughs) Just kidding. Danger Brown started. Hey, I love the name Danger Brown. He's talking about cooking potato salad. I don't know, but he started a Kickstarter campaign to raise ten dollars to make potato salad. Crowdsourcing his bill to the internet. Well, his request for backing has gone global, and he's joining us live right now. Good morning, Zach. Come on out, Zach. Danger. When I first heard about this yesterday, I kept shaking. This is crazy. This is crazy. Yeah. Do you keep making potato salad? Oh, I haven't made any potato salad yet. <laughs> You've never made it? You've I've never made potato salad. Then that was a really good thing. Is this well, where the name danger comes from? <laughs> <laughs> I've never made uh, you know, potato On the contrary, salad. I'm pretty risk averse. So I, I thought, I'll go to Kickstarter. I'll ask for $10 to make potato salad. And so, so the rest is history. Do you have to send some of this potato salad to those countries? To those people <laughs> <try it? I'm> <laughs> Yeah, so we've offered a bite to anybody who gave at least $3. Uh, and the way that we're going to handle that, uh, we're having a giant party in Columbus, Ohio. The entire internet is invited. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, you know what? You guys can come too. Danger, danger. Yeah, genius. So the other Kickstarter-related thing that happened was an exchange that I saw this week 
someone who was really upset at a filmmaker who whose Kickstarter campaign he had donated to and then the film never was released. Like this was like years ago. Um, and it is true. There's like no, I mean, I know this is separate from the potato salad issue, but like there really is no accountability whatsoever with Kickstarter. When you give somebody money who doesn't have a fiduciary duty to you, I just never trust that they're going to deliver. It's like a new way of doing stunts. <laughs> You know, and I, I say this as someone who like has effectively used it. You know, when all of my coworkers and I were fired, we kickstarted a single issue of a magazine that we had no intention of continuing. And that was generally financially not feasible. At the end of the day, it was like a fun project and a great publicity stunt, but it was not anything more than that. Yeah, it really was. You know, for me, those are kind of the only Kickstarters that I'll donate money to. So if they're friend related and like friends that I actually like so that was true of you and your crew (laughs) but usually I stay very 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 far away from celebrity projects because I I'm like you already have all of the money in the world I don't understand why I need to give you money to make a Veronica Mars movie you've never kickstarted James Franco uh absolutely not (laughs) (laughs) I was like these people actually know where else to find money and the fact that you're giving them the money like it shows that you're a complete noob Right. The I was like, there's, there's a whole system to make this work. And yeah, or just like, I also, I secretly like love like dumb wearable tech projects. Give I mean, me a watch that will charge my phone and I can put in my bag. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Sign me up. But I mean, I feel like the Mr. Potato Salad is kind of like, um, you know, so a friend of mine was complaining to me the other week that that she had seen on Facebook a request, um, a request to give money to to help someone with their cross country move. They were like, "We can't afford to move. We'd love help from family and friends." And it was like, "Really? People are asking for money for like a personal need, which doesn't bother me at all. I kind of feel like it's like you know, much like with Mister Potato Salad, it's like people choose what to give their money to. And yeah, it's tough that like we." can't find any money for like major refugee crises etc but like that's because people are selfish and awful and this is just exposing that yeah right but isn't that what all of that research on giving says that people would much rather give to like individuals than to causes right i mean there's no excuse to giving to potato salad guys yeah i was like just just to be clear. <laughs> potato salad guy it's not like some kid in africa who needs their money but you know the I support him. Also, good luck to him because his tax burden is going to be something like $25,000. Oh my God, no one is crunching Potato Salad Man's tax numbers. Get an accountant on it. It's all I can think about. Anytime the number goes up, I'm like, oh boy, you better save a quarter of that, homie. Tax man's going to come for you. Yeah. I still, I still feel okay about Kickstarter. I feel like it, like the problem with Kickstarter um, or with crowdfunding is people who put too much faith in it or like get too excited about it as sort of like a solution or more important than it really is. To those people, stop being crazy. Right. Curb your potato salad outrage. <laughs> Good luck to you, potato salad man. Talk to me. I think the first time we hung out, you brought a potato salad. No, girl, deviled eggs. Deviled eggs. Different Midwest snack. Good call. (laughs) I know, but don't you make like a buttermilk-based potato salad? Is that you? 
I make a really good buttermilk-based potato salad. Yeah, um, that shit's delicious. But it's really does not does not even come close to my deviled egg game. You know what? You should make a Kickstarter for that and raise some money for us. I don't know. I had I once had an elaborate idea for a deviled egg-based business called She Deviled. <laughs> <laughs> You're everything that's wrong with small business ownership in this country. No. I mean everything that's right. A Roseanne and Meryl Streep themed deviled egg business would not oh would not God. slay i oh mean it would slay anyway we, one day we'll do a whole episode on how i feel about small businesses and how when women do them they do things like deviled egg businesses we'll talk about this i mean for the record i did not start a deviled egg business it was just a fantasy small business that i will never actually follow through on because i'm only good at one thing which is writing for the internet <laughs> That's how it always starts. And then next thing you know, there's a Kickstarter and, <laughs> and somebody hasn't saved money for taxes. Watch and... me get stoned tomorrow night and make an, like a an deviled egg Kickstarter. <laughs> <laughs> Two and it's a trend. I would get covered everywhere. <laughs> oh my God. That's ridiculous. If you do that, I can just have my um, me food cart that I've always wanted to have. Auto me. I mean, it'll be perfect. See, I love that you were <laughs> acting like I'm the only one with a fantasy food truck. Like you totally know, have Anne, but you're <laughs> but you're the one with all of the execution willpower. So this is why I'm afraid. Oh, you're you're saying you don't make a good bummy. You just want to you just want to name it. Yeah, I just want to name things. Please, this is all in my free ideas.biz folder. It's fine. Oh. <laughs> it'll be great. Hey, so funny, funny, funny story. Somebody made a LeBron joke to me and I was going through my email looking for it. So I obviously searched for LeBron James and the first thing that popped up was your newsletter. And I don't know why it made me laugh so hard (laughs) because I was like, oh, and Friedman is reading about LeBron James. Like a few things are funnier to me. Well, because it was journo nerdy. That's why I was reading. There was this. I know. But that's what I realized. I was like, what is like, what? First, I thought it was like some sort of mistake. And then I read, I read the story that you linked to in the, um, in the newsletter, which was really, really good. No, it was great. So the story is that Nike paid a journalist for Port Magazine, I believe, uh, this in-depth LeBron James profile and then when they read it freaked out and didn't want it published and tried to get the writer to agree to not publish it anywhere and then Deadspin published it this week and it is fascinating. I mean it's fascinating it's pretty funny because the the man who wrote it I guess is is some sort of novelist sorry I'm unclear who he is but he was very much like, I don't understand why Nike has a problem with this profile. And I'm like, you make Nike sound crazy, which let's be fair, Nike is crazy. And LeBron is boring, which is, you know, it's his fault and kind of not. It's He's answered every question he's supposed to answer. Right. But I, I thought the whole angle on it was really funny. So, you know, I have one LeBron story in that I, this agency that I worked at, he paired up with to do a campaign for high school dropouts, which is funny because I don't think LeBron finished high school. (laughs) LOL. Yeah. He's like, don't do what I did kids. Yeah. He's like, don't drop out and become a bazillionaire. Like (laughs) stay in school. (laughs) 
And literally, we had something like seven rounds of meetings for like one tweet that I wrote with like all of LeBron's marketing people. Granted, these were not Nike people. They were like actual, I believe they call themselves Team LeBron. Oh my and God. let me tell you how crazy bananas Team LeBron is. The fact that you need more than one person, I believe it was like 10 people, on multiple, multiple calls to screen one tweet that did nothing for high school dropouts. The rate is still <laughs> astonishing. I remember the tweet got like really low engagement. But that was that was like... That was kind of my first foray into how managed celebrities are, mm-hmm. you know, and how it there's so many barriers to get to them. And honestly, a lot of them are really ridiculous, which a lot of that comes out in that in that Deadspin story. Right. Right. And how they won't let him get close to him at the Nike store to shop for shirts or talk to him at the bar. I was like, yeah, this is banned celebrity profiles. Um, you know, since I have to ask, I wouldn't be doing my podcast journalistic duties if I didn't ask. How do you feel about LeBron going back to Cleveland, Anne? I mean, (laughs) (laughs) this is like you're putting me on the spot for not knowing anything about like, I mean, I do know that the Cleveland team is called the Cavaliers. That's That's right. (laughs) Yes, that's exactly what they're called. I don't know. I mean... It's, it's okay. Weird. It's mostly because I I feel like we've never talked about this. A couple of years ago, when LeBron... Di- Basically, LeBron needs to hire us for PR because he has the worst PR. I think that this is my takeaway from the last week and just the last couple of years of watching him. I was like, please hire the girls from Call Your Girlfriend. We'll fix your life. <laughs> Basically, the best way to my heart is by quoting his press conference when he left um, the Cavs the first time to go to Miami. And he very contritely tells the country, he's like, I'm taking my talents to South Beach. <laughs> and that's, that's maybe the number one way into my heart is to quote that back to me. The answer to the question everybody wants to know. LeBron, what's your decision? Um, and this fall, man, it's, it's, it's very tough. Um, and this fall, I'm going to take my talents to South Beach and um, join the Miami Heat. Miami Heat. That was the conclusion you woke up with this morning. That was the conclusion I woke up with this morning. I feel like that's what you should say before you step on the airplane to leave New York. Just like I mean, that's my all talents I've been, to that's all I've been taking all week. I'm like, I'm taking my talents to Silicon Valley. South Beach should be so lucky. I, we should go uh, to Miami sometime. I, I and never I been. loved, so I went to Miami this year for the first time and I loved it. I can't believe nobody had told me about Miami. Miami is great. It's like real America, but it has a real scene. Mm. And the weather is nice and Pitbull is from there. It's I mean, Miami. obviously, I didn't want to be the one to say it. <laughs> Miami is delightful. Oh, the the last lingering agenda item, is, which is kind of serious now. I feel bad that we left it for the end, but the story just blew my mind last last Sunday, or I guess by the time people are listening to this a couple Sundays ago, the New York Times wrote a long story about the fact that America is one of the few places in the world where you can pay a woman to gestate a baby for you. 
Wait, so tell me, you can like rent your womb? Yeah, so so you know, you and I, who have very desirable wombs, could totally like. <laughs> I have a very hostile womb. I mean, told. women with desirable wombs. Let's just put it that way. Who like being pregnant? Because like, there's they interviewed a bunch of them who were like, "I'm into it." Can be paid uh. thousands and thousands of dollars by couples from mostly from other countries. This is what the article focused on, um, particularly gay couples from other parts of the world uh, who want kids to be sort of implanted with an egg that like has some genetic material from the couples and give birth to it and hand it over, which creates all these problems then because the baby has an American birth certificate and may or may not be biologically related to one or both of the parents. And so then when they take the kid back home, trying to get, you know, this kid a Portuguese passport or whatever proves really difficult. They're like, did you not just steal this baby from some American woman? Um, (laughs) One of the things that's really interesting is that the women who are surrogates are not the ones who are more likely to back out. Like it's the couple who's, who's paying her to grow them a baby who are more likely to back out. But you know, the question of whether they also have a right to have, kids that are biologically connected to them is an interesting one. Other countries allow women to like voluntarily be surrogates. But if you believe that everyone has a right to have like a biologically related child, then you kind of have to believe in paid legal surrogacy. It was a real like a thing I could not get my head around and I can't figure out how I feel about it. Um, Yeah, it's crazy. I would love to know like a lot of the contract negotiations around that too, right? Because it's like, what happens if the baby has defects? What happens, you know, like if the family backs out? That's nuts. Well, there were some crazy anecdotes. Like there was a, there was like um, a guy from abroad who wanted an agency to impregnate like six different women and, and then he could have his choice based on which fetus looked the best. What? I mean, crazy shit. Um, there, there is also a sort of sub-thread of the story about um, couples from political families in China who can't violate the one-child rule lest it be seen as like going against the party, using a surrogate in America to be like, well, we didn't violate the one-child rule. We didn't have more than one kid, which is also crazy. And they, they refer to that now as political surrogacy. <laughs> I mean, like, like, I swear to God, this article is full of crazy things. Okay, sold, sold. You've sold me on reading about babies. Everything about babies is crazy. Whatever. It's just sort of like what part of women's bodies should it be legal to sell? Because, like, you can't buy organs. Like, you can rent, you can rent a uterus, but you can't buy a kidney. Ugh. Like, that kind of blows my mind. That's bananas. Right. All of this to say that I would really like to dedicate this episode of the podcast to little baby Arthur Ashton Martin. Oh my god. This is our friend <laughs> our is, friend Kate and Brant's son. Yeah, who is new to us. Um, little baby Artie, I hope that one day you hear this and you just realize how much we love you and but also having babies is crazy. You know, so it's it's sort of like a like become part of my regular life, like the visit paying respects to a new baby and it's usually too little for its eyes to even focus and so like i i'm I'm still trying to get good at it like the questions you ask your friend who just had a baby are you supposed to ask the details of the birth yeah you're like when you're like when did you first poop after the baby (laughs) (laughs) first post baby poop is a thing that i've learned is very important your boobs look huge are they gonna stay that way 
yeah, all sorts of wild questions. Yeah, but it's definitely like an art. You know how you have to learn how to be a guest at a friend's wedding? Now I'm just like, wow, like babies that came out of my friend's vaginas. This yeah, is super that's, weird. That's bonkers. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, baby Arthur, this one, maybe, maybe that's our appreach this week. <laughs> yes, baby Arthur. Love you, baby Arthur. You're so handsome. I mean, as soon as you learn to focus your eyes more than a foot away, you're going to be like a knockout. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's true. That's how I always feel about especially like white babies. I'm like, they just look like tiny little burritos. The way that the parents... Are you going to out yourself as thinking white babies are extra cute? (laughs) Are you serious? Like 100%. I want a little redhead baby forever and ever and ever. Oh Um, my God. Maybe you should get a surrogate. Uh, yeah, and I'm going to get an Irish surrogate to move to America and, like, poop me a baby. That's exactly what I'm doing. I just, I can't with that phrase. I'm not even touching it. Not even touching it. Maybe it's this okay. is the point. This is the it's point not racist sign off. because I don't have the power. <laughs> I'm getting uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm just delirious because I've had no sleep. I guess that maybe on that note, we should leave. I- we should leave. I have 30 minutes to get dressed and do another round of goodbyes. It's going to be interesting. You can do it. And then next time we talk, you will be in California. I'm still in London. Woof. Don't woof. This is a life you chose for yourself. International nomad. You know what? It's lovely. It's just cold. (laughs) Exactly. It's lovely. Enjoy it. Oh, you can... I'm going to text you about what I need to pack for San Francisco because apparently it's cold there too. I don't understand. Girl, all of your layers. Uh, Um, Tina Beltramon. Okay. Yeah. We also have a shout out this week uh, to the Harity Law Firm run by our dear friend Quinn Harity and also just like a bang up lawyer. She's a sponsor of us and a supporter of us and all of our legal needs. And we'd recommend her to everyone else. It's just heritylaw.com. H-E-R-A-T-Y law.com. It's a very shine theory sort of thing. Oh, we should do our rundown here. You can follow us on Twitter at call YRGF, call your girlfriend. We're at callyourgirlfriend.com and you can subscribe on iTunes. Yeah, and tweet at us your questions or anything you want. Uh, oh, yeah, we'll or agenda suggestions. We answer all that stuff. Yeah, we try to. <laughs> Highly responsive. I love you forever. I will talk to you soon. I'll, I'll see, see you on the you internet. On the internet. <laughs> uh, Tina, enough already. Come on. <laughs>